Welcome back everyone to R2Cast number 146, our last episode with Katie Tunstall. Started out as somewhat of a, a nightmare in that I did not film, for I didn't record for the first 10 minutes, which was, oh, I've never felt my heart sink like it. So at least it wasn't, as I was just saying to our guest today, uh, like an hour in, because that would have just been sickening. So it was all right, we were able to sort of jump back over what we'd missed and whatnot. But a really good episode and also... For cat lovers, uh, her wee cat Parsnip spent its time running around the wee kitten, which I very much loved. I know most folk don't love cats, but I absolutely adore them. Um, in the next episode, given it's number 147, um, I thought it would be really smart. And we've got a snooker player. So Hilary Reid, who I've been speaking about for some time, um, Hilary was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if she's ever professional, but she sort of got into the amateur ranks and maybe semi-pro um, back in the 70s and 80s when snooker was sort of big time and it was very much a man's game. And she sort of pushed those boundaries and got in and became pretty respected. And, and it was just, it was a really sweet episode. Ed and I sort of had a discussion. I think Ed spoke once. Um, it's about 55 minutes and she just spoke and spoke and it was great crack and it was really nice to just sort of hear her tell her story she obviously hadn't told it for a while and it was quite nice for her to go over it which was which was actually quite nice <clears throat> um, obviously pushing on for the 150th episode today's 146 so that means in two weeks time today we will be on 150 which is kind of kind of crazy to think in fairness when you really consider this started, uh, I guess, July 2020. I phoned Flavian Obiero and had a chat and wrote a thousand words with him. And then January 2021, um, started the podcast with Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn Burrows of the Ethical Butcher, who was speaking about why we shouldn't do Veganuary. And I'm sure today's guest will have quite strong opinions on that. So that could be maybe something we get into. But uh, yeah, um, today's guest, number 146, is someone I went to uni with. Uh, I believe. It was second year in uni, we were at the same stage um, at AIR um, and continued to know him through Young Farmers and just general life here and there from time to time. And that person is David Mitchell. David, would you like to say hello? Oh, hello, how are you going today? Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. All right, very much looking to this. This should be quite a good crack. If we were saying off camera, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, as I'm sure there'll be quite a few listening to this one. Um, we're not two folk that'll shut up. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we'll be able to keep the conversation going. I don't see that being a stress, that's for sure. But do you know what, David? I mentioned it there. Let's let's get into a bit of a controversial chat. Veganism. What's your opinion? <laughs> well, it's not something I'd be taking up anytime soon, anyway. Wouldn't no, think. no, no. no um... I, I'm all pro-choice. If folk want to be vegans, by all means, do what they want. But uh, I don't like them ramming it down our throats. And uh, a lot of their arguments for being vegan are, well, made up, I would say. There's no uh, fact behind them. So that's uh, where I think the argument falls a bit, falls down when they try and say it's better for the environment or it's better for your health, which is just factually incorrect. So. Uh, the, the environment one is just madness in this country. I mean, the health thing, there might be certain situations, like if, I don't know, CLAs are bad for you, fair enough, quite a high, high content in red meat. But, like, you know, the environment is just 
it's just impossible in this country to defend, and it's it's it's, it's one of the main reasons folk go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't actually intend on getting a chat into veganism. I just thought I, th- I actually thought you'd have a less diplomatic answer. I'll be honest. Um, no. uh, quite well, quite well responded to. Um, well, I better not shout and swear on this. <laughs> Oh, the odds here and there is not the end of the world. But David, um, just for the listeners that don't know who you are, could you give us a bit of background about yourself? Sort of, are you from a farm? Are you not from a farm? Just that sort of stuff. <clears throat> well, yes, um, I'm the oldest of three children. Uh, I've got two younger sisters. Uh, I live and work on the family farm, which is just at Weston, outside Bigger in South Lanarkshire. It's a, a beef and sheep farm, and I work with my father and my youngest sister. Uh, my mum and my other sister, they still work at Lamb and Time on farm, but uh, not all the time. And my grandparents still live on the farm. Uh, they're both plus 85, so they, they can't really do as much as they used to. Much to my grandpa's annoyance, he still wants to do do plenty, but his uh, body just can't keep up his mind anymore. There's there's quite a few of those sort of 80-year-olds and, and higher that, yeah, nothing's going to stop them. <laughs> they're going to keep trying, they're going to keep trying. Go, go a wee bit more in depth about the farm, David. Folk always quite like to hear about numbers and breeds and why you chose those breeds and whatnot. <clears throat> well, I'll start right back at the start. My grandpa moved to the farm. My granny and grandpa moved to, uh, to Newton and Weston in 1962 when they got married. Um, when he moved here, he milked 60 cows in the buyer, had a hun- 300 laying hens or loose box and 150 ewes. Um, I've never done any work with hens. The hens were long gone before I was ever... Uh, I was ever here. Um, the sheep numbers we now run about uh, six hundred sheep. Um, half uh, hill type North Country Cheviot, and then Cheviot mules and Texel mules. And on top of that, we lamb maybe one hundred and sixty to two hundred yell lambs every year to sell wholesale lambs at foot. Uh, the dairy cows are up to about one hundred and fifty-five, and they were put off in two thousand and seven. Uh, not for uh, monetary reasons, but my dad, my grandpa was a big dairyman. My dad didn't really enjoy it and he spent all of his life doing it. And we got to the point where we were going to have to invest a lot in bills in the parlour. And my dad uh, couldn't see a, a future for himself, which is probably right enough because I don't think I'd be good at getting the morning to milk cows. Uh, but we've always um, finished cattle on farm as well. We always finished our black and white bullocks and we bought some store cattle. So uh, we've stopped buying store cattle now. We have 220 suckler cows, all Hereford and Angus Cross, all native breeds. And we also finish all our progeny on farm. So we do direct from birth to slaughter, which is a bit different in this area. There is people doing it, but the majority of people sell their calves store. But as I say, we've always finished our own cattle and uh, we get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that. So um, we continue to do that. All our meats marketed, all our uh, prime cattle are marketed either through AK Stoddart at Air or PR Duff at Wishaw, and all our fat lambs and uh, hogs of lambs at foot and cash chows and cash cows are marketed through Laurie and Simon at Lark Market. And so everyone's uh, produced and marketed very locally, which uh, we think is quite good. Well, it definitely is, is and it probably plays into that discussion we had about environmentalism at the start. But um, why, why does not most folk around you fatten? Why is it mainly store? I thought that would be prime ground for that sort of thing. Um, well, we're quite high up compared to like a lot of people are higher up hill farmers and might only have 50 or 100 cows and it's more growing the grain, getting the straw, having the, the shed space to finish them. Uh, but we've all 
we we actually never grew any grain until three years ago, but we bought all our grain locally, and um, yeah, we buy straights, and we always managed to mix our own feeding and work away all right. But the last three years, we've started growing our own grain and taking it earlier and uh, crimping it, putting it in a pit, so it's more of a moist product. You don't have to worry about about getting it as right. Uh, it seems to have worked quite well for us, and getting a ton for the grass is uh, quite good as well. But there is some big game. Um, Finishers are uh, not that far away from me as well, but as I say, they mostly just buy store cattle and finish in the better ground. Uh, they don't uh, calve their calve, uh, they don't calve cows. Uh, they just buy. There's a boy on the road that finishes two and a half thousand cattle a year, but he doesn't have any sucker cows. He just buys store cattle. So it's a wee bit different when you do both things, but uh, we find it works quite well here. And I say, I'm not that fussed about telling other people how to do their job or folk tell me how to do mine. But if it works for you. Just keep doing it and ignore what everybody else says. So that's very much, uh, very much the attitude I was told bringing up. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you can make money out of it, just keep doing it. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. You you don't strike me as someone that doesn't care what other people think, David. Uh, <laughs> now, for those listening, because uh, no no videos released in these podcasts, they won't be able to see what I'm talking about. But it certainly looks like shed space doesn't seem like an issue to you, but the size of what looks like a pretty notable shed out that window. Um, I think that's what it is anyway. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, but it's the size of the straw shed, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, how how was that process of going from not growing grain to growing grain just overnight? How did that go? Is that was that a bit of a shock to the system, a bit of a change or something happening, or was that a quite easy thing to get into? <clears throat> uh, well, my grandpa's originally from the border, so he's grown grain in the past, and he did grow grain when my dad was at school, which was a long time ago. But just because we're as high up, we get cold in the end of the season, we couldn't get it right. I just wonder when technology has changed, but if I Probably arable farmer was coming to see us grow grain, they'd probably uh, and shut their eyes. It's uh, I would say it's a bit of a cowboy experience, our grain growing, but uh, it works for us. And uh, the last few years, we've been quite pleased with getting the crimp off. And uh, it's definitely a good treat for the cattle, that moist. Uh, the stuff we treat it with makes it alkalized, so it takes out any risk acidosis, so we can feed plenty of it. Um, and I say it makes us, if we can grow grain on farm, it saves us having to buy it locally. And save me having to cart it in a tractor, so it takes a job out of the way. Hopefully, <laughs> is uh, it, well, it's absolutely. I quite like the mentality of you know, it's probably not one of heard too much. Um, just if it's going well, you know, why why fix it or why listen to someone else who's saying it's better or yeah, I think I think it's a pretty positive mentality to have, and it's probably something. Probably something more folks should have. I think there's a lot of chase of trying to impress everyone else and whatnot, and it's it's probably quite good to have that outlook, especially when it's working. In in your local area, <coughs> uh, David, you said it's sort of quite hilly. Is it mainly beef and sheep? There's obviously some dairies around, but is it mainly beef and sheep? Yeah, the majority of, in the bigger area anyway, there's six or seven farms in our area, and my grandpa said when he moved here, they all milk cows of some description. We were the last to put them off in our valley in 2007. And there is, um, as you can hear, and there's three or four big dairy farms, um, but it's definitely going down that route of people 
there is still some family farms and they're doing a very good job with their cows, 100 cows, but the majority of boys are trying to push for scale and uh, push for size and they swallow up a lot of ground as well. Um, but that it's just the way it's going. I've got an uncle who still farms in the borders. Our cousin actually runs it now and he's milking 1,200 cows the last time I heard. And it's just uh, a drive for economies of scale all the time. A lot of the dairy boys. Aye, the dairy thing is very much number driven. Um, yes, there's quality, of course there is, but um, it's just got to be. Is is, uh, is Roadhead, quoth quoth, Hewitt's, is that quoth quoth? Yeah, Roadhead's uh, literally uh, 10 minutes along the road and then um, there's three dairy farms look onto them at the top of the hill at Covington, so. Yeah. Oh, aye, of course. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, away from the home farm, David, you get quite involved in quite a few things, particular young farmers, but one thing I always quite like to ask folk that I know have been through through education, don't feel you have to be positive about it because you're speaking to me. What was what was your your sort of um, experience going through? Uh, it was an HND you'd done, is that right? Degree, HND? Yeah, well, I actually, um, I done really well in my standard grades at school and uh, <laughs> I'd applied for an NCA and I got you engineer and I was never told I had to be a farmer. I was always given plenty of opportunity if I wanted to do something else. And my dad was very keen for me to go and learn something else first. Uh, he uh, he never said I couldn't be a farmer, but he never said I had to do it either. So, um, but my mum really wanted me to stay a fifth year and do hires, which I ended up having to stay a fifth year and doing hires. And I've been honest, I probably didn't try hard enough at them. Uh, I did pass them all eventually, but compared to my standard grade results, that were all very good. Um, it wasn't, it was a waste of time that year, basically. But I still went and done my NC and I coach engineering at the Barney. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was definitely something a bit different. And uh, it was definitely good for uh, we can service the tractors on farm. We do a lot of on-site welding. And we fix stuff, we lay concrete and all that stuff. A good base knowledge of mechanics gives you a bit more uh, mechanical sympathy when you're working with machines. So it's definitely a good thing. But I've done some work experience at local John Deere dealer and I was fine, I didn't, wasn't bad, but I was like, I don't see myself doing this for the next 30 years. Uh, so I was just stuck in the workshop all the time, wasn't really, I like being out and doing different stuff sometimes. So I moved over and done a HNC at the Barney, which again, I really enjoyed my HNC. I'm not saying I learned a great deal on my HNC, but it was good people that was on the course. Um, my lectures were good, good, they were they were understanding, like it was very good. It was three days and then the rest of the time, it was three solid days. And then Monday to Wednesday, the rest of the time you were off to work at home. So that was quite good. And then I was all set to do my degree, but I came here and done my second year. And as you know, I didn't enjoy my second year here at all. Um, it wasn't for me at all. It was just, I think it was two days work and we managed to spread it out over four and a half days. And, and I understand with other classes and uh, different courses learning off the same subject and the whole point of being an agriculture college not set on a farm really didn't sit well with me either um, and I was maybe quite vocal about it at some points um, right. but, right. uh, so I, I decided that on HND I was quite happy I managed to pass the distinction which I was quite happy with but I wasn't going back to do my degree because I didn't it was probably the right time for me to leave for my sake and for everybody else's sake to be fair because no, he wasn't the easiest person sometimes to work with, but, um, but uh, definitely, I think there's massive strides to be made there. Yeah. Uh, I always remember we went to Northern Ireland, 
when we were in our HND and they took us a walk around Greenmount and I was really impressed with Greenmount and I thought, why did I not come here? And if education wasn't free, I probably would have went there, but education in Scotland was free, so that was a that was a a, a more financially stable option, Dad said. It was um it was a shame here. Now I'll be honest, my 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 experience of air was relatively positive on the basis that from a degree perspective, it was very good. You know, there are a lot of resources in that sense, but from a HNC and HND perspective, it just wasn't good enough. And it was, I was speaking today, like the fact that Auchincrove disappeared was shocking. <laughs> the fact that that happened is just bad. And like you, you were at that industry day in January at Barony, um, I'm not saying we're doing it perfect, but I think it's so much better now than than what you and I did at Air, and maybe similar to what you did in your your time at Barony. And it's that sort of three day. Sometimes it's got to be four, but it is still compacted. Um, there's one term that's four, but for the most part, it's very practical, very now placement based as well. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. definitely going in the right direction. As or as at that day, you were saying that you're trying to bring in like a an apprenticeship that'll get you to agree degree eventually. You know. If that had been available when I was at college, I would definitely took that because that means I'm not spending all my time in a classroom and it's more you're learning on the job sort of thing, which definitely would have suited me a lot better. I think that's if, if you can get that, an apprenticeship where you get a degree at the end, of it, I think that's a, a massive game changer, that personally. From what I understand, I'm not fully involved in the making of it, but I think it's ready to start in September. Um and you would so your your current apprenticeship is level five and six, which is basically a level that doesn't matter. <laughs> Not doesn't matter. It's just you won't. I've got no way to explain it. And then um, NC is level six, so it's that sort of build up to that, which then means you should be able to jump onto an HNC. But what that TA technical apprenticeship has now offered, agricultural management, is called, um, as you jump into a level seven HNC equivalent apprenticeship. Then HND, which is all written now, um, and then that will then progress on to what's called a graduate apprenticeship, I believe. Uh, so your third and fourth year, and you'll have an equivalent of an honours degree, but very much more work based. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a fantastic thing actually, and uh, I think the stuff you say, you said, oh, I was quite vocal about it. I think that's important. Like I was talking about it today to students. Um, that, that you you congratulated me off camera. I don't know if I've actually said this on the podcast yet, but um. I've just been successful with a Nuffield, Nuffield, Nuffield scholarship. And those that don't know what that is, it's, it's quite a well-respected sort of scholarship that allows you to travel the world and try and make agriculture better in this country. And my focus is getting ag education in a better spot. I think it's okay, and I think we're going in the right directions, especially with this next gen that we're looking at. But um, there's still so many things that need to change, and we need to be vocal about it, because if we don't, <laughs> the sector needs it. So, um, no, it's important to hear. It's good to it's hear. It's not just uh, that. It's not, you can't just blame the SRUC or people that are teaching it. Like I think agriculture needs to be seen as a far more positive industry to get involved in. Um, I've always been quite tried to be quite positive about it, and I've always wanted to be in farming, and I, and I see my future working in agriculture. And I think there's lots of opportunities out there, and I'm not worried in the slightest about the future. How, but if you listen to some people, it's Oh, you don't want to do it, and it's it's a hard life, and you'll never make any money, and oh, it's it's no good, and that's just that has to change. How are you going to get the bright minds to come and work in agriculture with that sort of attitude? They're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, if you just continue with that negativity around the industry. 
which there is a fair bit of. <laughs> you know, there, there is folk like yourself that are positive and I'd like to say I'm one of them as well and, and sort of promoting what's good, but uh, it takes a few folk and maybe a few folk with followings or whatever to say the wrong things and, and you find yourself in bother. So no, we do need a sort of group of folk to look at it in a bit more positive manner. And there's going to be challenges, of course, as the current one being what's going to happen subsidy-wise. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but there's also a lot of positives as well. But uh, away away from um, college and the home farm, David, your probably biggest commitment, as far as I'm aware, is your sort of young farmers' involvement. And I'm going to guess, I always sort of like to guess this, I'm going to guess you'd be one of those ones that started at 14, but I could be wrong. Aye, the day, literally the day of my 14th birthday, I think. <laughs> There's an event on, you'll be there. Like, um, yeah, so tell, tell us about Young Farmers. What, why were you that person that on your 14th birthday wanted to go? Well, I had cousins who were in Young Farmers. My father was in uh, Young Farmers. Um, a lot of older friends who were in Young Farmers. And I just thought this is a We always went to open stock judging and open events when we were growing up. Uh, we'd always try to support them. I always remember we had a stock judging on farm when I was like, I don't know, five or six, and I remember getting ready for that. Um, and it was just, it was just the thing to do, was to join Young Farmers nowadays. Anyway, I, I was never big in playing sport or that. I really like sport, I'm just terrible at them, which <laughs> is, isn't much fun. But uh, uh, literally at 14, like, I couldn't go quick enough uh, to Young Farmers, and pretty much I've tried just about everything I've not competed in netball or drama, but I think I've competed in just about everyone else in Young Farmers. Um, and I just, it's given me a lot in, in my social life and opportunities and took me to places I thought I would never get. So I've got a lot out of it, but uh, so I think I've taken my whole 14, I'm a 14 year to be in it. I've been in it as long, I've been in it as lo- longer than I've not been in it, sort of, nearly sort of thing. So um, no, I just, it wasn't really a choice, it was just, it was happening, whether I liked it or not. Uh, it's Kirk isn't it? No! I did that intentionally, <laughs> I love doing that, I did the same with Jane Strawhard. Um, <laughs> no, bigger obviously, no, I I, uh, I did say that intentionally, that was quite a good reaction, right. that worked quite well. Um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, you said you hadn't competed in drama, is that not a talent spot, or is there a separate thing that is drama? No, it's a separate thing, a separate yeah. drama competition. Yeah, uh, I haven't done drama for, oh, not my time anyway, but unlike talent sport where you could make it up, in drama you've got to follow a script, a published uh-huh. script, and uh, it's, we like to make things up as we go along, we're not <laughs> good at following scripts. I'm not a script follower either, uh-huh. no, never have been, really struggle with it actually. I think the, I know it's not a script, but I really, and I spoke with uh, with Grant Barr about this. Grant and I will both be probably as confident speakers as you'll get. <laughs> and uh, we both hated speech making. Now, speech making is a great thing. And you asked 95% of young farmers. It's the best thing you've ever done in young farmers, speech making. Um, but I just hated the structure. I did not like it. Really struggle with structure, actually. Really always have done. Um but yeah, you said you'd you said you'd competed in most things. What what are the standouts? What are the things that you've really enjoyed over the the same amount of time as you haven't been in Young Farmers? <laughs> well, stock judging for me is basically 
the beyond end of, yeah. of, of young farmers. Uh, I always remember doing it before I was aged to go to young farmers. Um, and then at 15, I started training to do it at the Highland Show. And, and I just, I got a lot out of that. Got to visit a lot of farms and speak to a lot of people. And uh, the Saturday in the Highland Show, getting to stock judge was definitely like the best day of the year. It was a day I was looking forward to every year to go and do it. So, no, definitely stock judge. And I've done a lot of speech making as well. Um, I used to do quite well at juniors. Um, well, I say quite well. I managed to win Lanarkshire a couple of times, but I never got any further than that. But it gave me a lot of confidence going throughout. I've never done as well at seniors, but as you say, folks say it is because... When it gets to seniors, you get a wee bit more freedom and I throw the structure out the window and just yeah. do one thing. And then some of the judges are a bit like, it's, it's not a comedy act. It's not like, <laughs> like you settle down sometimes. Well, I, that's how I see it. I see it as, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking, whether that's after dinner speaking or my job is lecturing or speaking like this, you, you don't want to be boring. like. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of, my, yeah. my first speech making trainer always said, he says, if you can get them laughing, that's half the battle sort of thing. You'll keep them engaged and they'll listen to you. Yeah. So I've sort of taken that through most things. And then maybe sometimes it needs to be a bit more serious, but yeah. I, I like doing it my way, so I'm probably not going to change. <laughs> now, stock judging being the be-all and end-all is probably the case for a lot of folk, uh, but only however many people in history have, have, have done what you and Andrew did that year. So tell us about what I'm talking about there. <clears throat> Yep, I was lucky enough in 2022 to win the Stockmanship Programme and be crowned Stockman of the Year, uh, along with a good friend, Andrew Nielsen, uh, from Even Deal Young Farmers. Stock judging is the one thing in Young Farmers is a wee bit different. Everyone else you compete as your club. When it comes to stock judging, you compete as district, so we compete as Lanarkshire um, at stock judging. So that means that Even Deal, Bigger, Curluck, East Cobride, Les Mahago and Lanark all come together to form teams to compete at the, the Highland Show. Um, so in the morning, it's split up to three categories. You do beef, dairy and sheep, uh, of four different breeds of each, apart from dairy where you do two hosts and two airshire every year. Um, and then you just judge the four classes and do two sets of reasons on two of the classes, a set of reasons on two of the classes. So I was nearly always doing beef, I did do a sheep a couple of years, but I fell out with a blackie judge and that wasn't the best thing to happen. Um, so, and then the top six from every section then qualify for the afternoon of the stockmanship programme where you do two, two dairy, two beef, two sheep, three sets of reasons, three demonstrations and a hundred mark question paper. Uh, and then out of the 18, someone's crowned the champion or wins the Robert Bar Memorial Trophy and crowned Stockman of the Year. Uh, and for the first time ever in 2022, we'd stockedized all morning, all day, and they couldn't separate us. We're at exactly the same points. So um, if we've done it all day and they still can't separate us, I think you've just got to just stick with it. And it was quite good how it was someone who I've competed with for as long as I've done stock judging. We actually started stock judging the same night at his farm, uh, doing hostings at a practice. Um, so it was quite unique that way. Uh, and he's... He's been second and third before uh, a few times. It was actually the first time I ever got through the afternoon. Uh, I always knew if I get through the afternoon, I'm not saying I always knew I was going to win, but I always knew I was confident in my abilities that if I got through there, I would calm down. And I used to always get really wound up in the morning. 
and like in my head a wee bit about it and want to do well in that. But uh, when I got through the afternoon, I was just like, well, the pressure's off now. I've got through it in the afternoon. We'll see what happens. Uh, and I would say I was lucky enough to win it. I'm not going to lie. It was the best moment of my life uh, winning the Stockmanship Programme. And it's unique. And Young Farmers, it's the, one of the only awards you can't defend. So once you win, that's it. Uh, you can't go back and try and win it again, which I quite like about it, actually. Uh, I would say it's the most prestigious award to win in Young Farmers. It's the one with all the history. Um which uh, makes that and um, no, it was uh, it was it was some a day and night anyway. With that, I, I can imagine that part. Um, when you say you can't defend it, can you go back the following year? Like not like two years after? No, no, you, you can't. Can, that's it. Never compete no. again, right? Okay. Um, a few questions about it. First off, uh, you said three reasons and three was it displays? You demonstrations. Demonstrations. So, so what's what's reasons? What's demonstrations? So reasons. The class you've judged. There's four animals in the class. So um, you get you get two minutes to say why reason to why you place that class in what order. So the the makeup of the animal, um, how it's put together, uh, what makes it why it's productive and why it's the best animal in the class. Uh, so you get two minutes to do that, and then it's firm in two minutes if you. Go 10 seconds over, you lose two points for every 10 seconds you go over the two minutes. And in a demonstration, you get two and a half minutes and they bring out one animal and you compare it to the perfect animal in the breed. So you talk through it and say, hey, this, is a, uh, this animal is ideal for the breed, but there's this, this and this wrong with it. So if we've done that, it would be the perfect animal. Uh, and but as everybody knows, you never get the perfect animal. There's always something that can be a wee bit better in it. And um, it's different when you're practicing. You go to someone's farm, and they're not all, not all as stock as show grade. When you get to Highland Show, you usually get four animals that are really really good. So it's very fine points to split them up. Um, and it's just uh, how you discreet how you do, how you uh, place them. But it doesn't mean you need to judge them right to get the reasons right. Mm-hmm. You can still judge them differently from the master judge. But if you've got a good enough argument. Or you go in and don't tell any lies, but that's your reasoning for placing it that way. Well, then you should say, well, I didn't agree with you, but your reasons are set out, so I can't say you judged it wrong. But um, at the end, end of the day, it's just what the it's one man's opinion, so you're not always going to agree with everyone. And I, th- I think that's probably quite important because, you know, stock judging in general is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a stupid comparison, you and I. Um, not in any way comparable to you in a stock judging sense, but um, my opinion is going to be different to yours. Your opinion is going to be different to mine as it is X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. But having that reason sort of takes out that chance to a point where you can sort of back up, well, okay, fair, but this is why I say, and I think that makes it more, it's once a year, it makes it more sort of the right person's probably going to win as opposed to just someone who's put ABXY and it's been perfect. Um, what, let, let's give a bit of an example. Let's say, I don't even know. Are you are you working off what like a Holstein heifer or something like that? I, I, you know, is it just anything that could come out? How well, does it work? I would usually a cow. If I did a cow, about a heifer or a cow in milk, it would usually always be something in milk for a right. dairy cow, and then you usually get a heifer or a cow or a bull for um, a beef breed, and then you usually get a 
a Yao Gamma or a top for a shoot, but it, it could be anything. anything. Let, yeah. Let's say you've got a, a, I don't know, it could be quite interesting just to hear this, like a, I don't know, a limousine bull. What are you after? What are you looking for? Oh, I haven't done this for two years now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's putting you under too much pressure. Yeah. Same as any beef breed or pedigree breed. You want characters throughout the head and neck. You want width and power uh, without being too rough over the shoulders, having good fleshing throughout, full loin, full rump, full second thigh, just to, so it's full of meat, creating a good set of feet and legs, good locomotion. So they can do that was always my thing, good feet and legs. Yeah. And I used to annoy a lot of trainers because through my speech making I would make a lot of hand signals. <laughs> and this won't work because it's on camera. But I used to go, well, that's a camera with a big flashy log, so it's got a big long level top. And they're like, You're not landing a plane, you just put your hands be your side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it adds to it though. I get maybe it doesn't hit the exact points, but I think it adds to it. So um yeah, here I, I wanted to speak at the stock person of the year at the minute. It's James Hamilton currently, isn't it? He won this year. Yeah, it's James. Uh. Um, was that what was it? We were looking at the figures of that. Who there was someone that won it really young, wasn't there? Ah, uh, Jane Strohorn and I looked at this one day. No, I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, away from away from hey, Andrew Nielsen's. Andrew Nielsen's father actually won it really young. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I wanted actually. to see he was seventeen. I want to say he was 17 or 18 when he won it, but I, could, I could be wrong. Uh, and I've got a good friend, Ewan Orr, who also won it when he was about, he was 18 or something when he won it as well. They were definitely both juniors when they won it anyway. Yeah. That, is, uh, that was 26 when I was on it, so I was thinking about, uh, later, 25, sorry, when I yeah. won it. So it was a wee bit later, but yeah, I've got right. there in the end. That's last. Yeah, well, that's it. Anytime is very good. And, and you know, as someone... As you know, David, that wasn't wasn't a young farmer fifteen months ago. Um, I was in the I was sort of what's the word steward in the young farmers centre that morning. God, it was intense. <laughs> I would I wouldn't cope in that genuinely. I, well, I don't know, maybe I would, but the the start when everyone was just there in their white coats, man, I was stressed and I was doing nothing. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It fairly, fairly. It's quite a sight when you see everybody the young farmers centre dressed all in their white coats. <laughs> it was actually, it was. We should have really filmed that in fairness. We didn't fully film it as well as we could have, but um, yeah, no, here I fairly in that. Kudos to that, and also from a a young farmer's perspective as well. You've you've not just sort of breezed by. Were you Lanarkshire chair last year, or is it this year? Yeah, I was Lanarkshire chair last year. Last year, yeah. Um, so done a fair chunk with bigger in Lanarkshire. How what? How have you enjoyed those positions? I quite I quite like asking folk this. How have you enjoyed the sort of like obviously chair of a relatively large district, a pretty important district? How how do you enjoy that? Yeah, I really enjoyed both of them. Both of them are very different, though. I found, um, I, I was I think it was probably always in the cards because I always showed interest since fourteen that I would be bigger chair one day, or be heavily involved in the in the committee and. Uh, it was really good fun, and uh, I, had, I had a great time doing it, and it was good just trying to push bigger forward than that. But it was probably more difficult being last year chairman, having to maybe take a step back for bigger, and uh, take uh, an approach for all six clubs in the district. It probably was better for me being last year chairman, to be fair, because it made me take a step back and think about things, and you have to 
it can't just be just for bigger, it's got to be for all the clubs in the district. And I probably got a lot out of that, but to be fair, if it wasn't for Callie Hamill and Lindsay White, I would have been dreadful at them both. Both uh, Callie, my secretary at Lanarkshire, and, and Lindsay, my secret, secretary at Bigger, they did a majority of work. I just stood there and talked and looked good, to be fair. They are the ones that deserve all the credit, I would say. <laughs> I think that's normally a case with a chairperson, Jeff, isn't it? You'd be a good chair, but the secretary are the ones that are doing the power like. Um did you do it in the West level? Did you go to that or I was West Agri chairman and I sit on the National Agri Affairs Board. Yeah. Uh, but I've never done like West area or national, like just normal stuff. Is that on the cards? No. No. Nah. <laughs> I was calling that about national as well, just sort of sowing the seed but it was quite a similar answer to yours there um, you said when you spoke about young farmers uh, David sort of where it had taken you now I don't know if you meant sort of professionally and, and personally and that sort of thing but I was more focusing on geographically you were at Canada and over the summer and I think that's, have you done more international travel than that have you? Or was that your? No I've been uh, um, two years ago and a year ago I went to Yorkshire on a short haul Right um, Agri's tour and then I was lucky enough to be picked to go to Canada. Um, this year, during the summer there, which was uh, not really good. Um, I never went travelling after leaving college or university or that. Um, I always just worked at home. Never felt like I missed out. But not travelling, I was I was probably a bit ambivalent about it. I wasn't really that bothered by it. Everybody seemed to go to New Zealand, and I was just like, well, if everybody goes there, I don't want to go there. Um, sort of thing. Uh, and then you go there to drive tractors or milk cows and I was like I can go five minutes up the road and do both these things <laughs> I'm not going to outside the world to do that um, I'm not saying I'll never go to New Zealand uh, I've got a bit of fear of flying which isn't great to be fair but um, so but we went to Canada uh, we spent a week in Alberta and a week in Ontario and I really enjoyed it it, it was probably good have nothing to do for a fortnight more than anything else but uh, it was really good just visiting farms and going and seeing what, what's out there and we went to the stampede as well and it was good going to the other side of the planet and there was a lot of things different but a lot of things the same they face a lot of the same problems that we do and they might do things differently but they're all trying to get the, the same end result if that makes sense uh, at the end of the day and always there was one farmer we were on this limousine Angus ranch and uh, they took, his daughter had taken us round the farm and shown us everyone into the workshop and they had some drinks and some food for us afterwards and we we're just talking away and he he started asking us questions which I thought was really good like that we got really into it and uh, he said something about you've got to realize that in agriculture the, the the wealth of knowledge is shrinking with the people that know it mm-hmm. so some of the stuff you know you might not think it's important but in the long term that may be really important and they see that over there, farms get bigger, there's less folk involved with it, same as anywhere. It says that your knowledge is probably the most important thing you have. Uh, so I, I found that really interesting. A lot of a lot of the people were, were like that, were the same, just uh, if you can make money at it, we're always going to be needed. The big theme it was sustainability. And one uh, probably the best farm I went to was Lewis Farms. And if anybody goes to Alberta, I would take the opportunity to go to Lewis Farms. Uh, Two of the sons took us round that run it now, and they couldn't have been nicer. They, they showed us a lot of things. They grow tatties, they grow a lot of corn, they, they finish a lot of cattle, they, they breed cattle as well. 
and that's we asked that's the theme of tour sustainability and we asked every farmer or agribusiness end it what does sustainability mean to your business and he just turned around and says we've been farming for hundreds of thousands of years the most sustainable industry on the planet yeah. we're going to be here for hundreds of thousands of years later it's all sustainable just get on mate and i thought that was quite a a good thing that i probably agree with i hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. I've actually just, as you were saying it there, looked at their Instagram, it seems like quite a place. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, yeah, here... Hundreds of thousands of years, the one massive change is the fact we've now got eight billion folk, and we do have to change somewhat. But if, <laughs> if they can't eat, they're going to be in bother. Um, yeah, it, it looked good. And do you know what your your sort of explanation of traveling was very similar? Uh, maybe the one change is when I went when I traveled last last month for the first time. Really, I just fell in love with it, and now I think this month I've got seven flights. <laughs> uh, and now that sounds it, like hell. <laughs> speaking of sustainability, I can't really say much, but um I'm actually do you know what I think I can say this now because when this you can't tell anyone I'm telling you this, but uh, when this podcast comes out, I'll have been back. I'm actually just about to go out to Ukraine with a pickup for that pickups for peace. Um driving out, which will be pretty exciting, but yeah, flying back for that. But yeah, um that bit that would be interesting. That I can't say it and I haven't done it yet, but I assume it's going to be bloody interesting. Um, and yeah, a nice sort of jaunt through Europe into the bargain. But uh, what was I saying? Yeah, your, your idea of, I never got the, let's go drive tractors in New Zealand. I, I went to Essex to do it and probably could have done it closer. Like I never fully got it. Um, and, and the thing that I really agreed with was the more folks say, oh, I want to go to New Zealand, the States or Australia, I'm like, I want to try all the other places. <laughs> you know, I couldn't care less about these ones that everyone's been to. I've seen all the photos, which is well, nice. Actually, you know, when we were planning the trip, we we're actually meant to be going to Japan. Yeah. I was really wanting to go to Japan, but um, because of COVID rules, they hadn't opened up yet. It was changed to Canada, uh, and I, I've always wanted to go to Canada as well. I like the idea. I don't like horses, but I like the idea of being a cowboy and getting around there, getting around a ranch and looking at cows in my head. Um, uh, so I was always I was always going to apply for it and go for it, but I'm a bit the same way. Um, I would really like to go to like Japan's a country that really interests me. The productivity that that country has and the stuff that they export and that, I just uh, I hope I get the opportunity to go there someday. I think it would be really interesting. Well, I've I've pinpointed four countries for Nuffield, and Japan's one. Um, yeah, fascinating place. Like absolutely, no, I would completely agree with that. So I'll update you if it's worth the trip. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting the whole the whole travel thing, and I think as life goes, you sort of change what you speak about. And with this podcast, you find people that listen to a lot of them will find you know one day I'm talking about this, and then for the next few I talk about that and stuff. And travel's definitely definitely the thing I'm on at the minute. Um, it's uh, it's quite good track. Tell us about the uh, the Calgary Stampede. No, it was uh, very good. It wasn't actually we were suspecting like. We were expecting there was going to be a big cattle haul at the Highland Show, but there wasn't any show right. cattle. Which actually we were a bit disappointed in because we thought it was that was maybe that's maybe more something for the, the Canadian Winter Fair. But 
we got a tour around uh, the chuck wagon racing. I don't know if you know what chuck wagon racing. It's only something they do in Alberta and British Columbia and Canada. They don't do it anywhere else on the planet. It was uh, a team of four horses with a wagon, and then they've got two singular horses, outriders. And it's all from, you have to, someone starts outside and they chuck this pail into the back of the wagon. It's basically meant to be like a cooker for a stove. So that's what they used to do years ago. That's where it came from. And then they spin around some barrels and run around the track. It was mental, to be fair. Uh, the first couple of, it was on for 10 days straight. We were only there for the first couple of days. But we got a tour through all the livery and seen all the horses in the chuck wagon. And one of the drivers came and spoke to us, Elaine McGilvery. And uh, this is, I think he'd done it the first night. We seen him before the second night. And uh, he said, he was sec- the winner gets, it's called the dash for the cash, the final three get to the last. And he was second in it last year. And uh, I always mind we all um, sat up and watched the last night because in the final last year and he managed to win this year. So we're saying he must be a good luck charm. So I'll have to go back next year to his uh, good luck charm. But the best thing before, the rodeo was really good, really entertaining. You'll never say anything like it unless you go to a rodeo. Like, you'll never say anything like that here. But we sat and watched the, the cattle pen in the, the big hall, like the big arena. I could have sat there all day and watched the cattle pen in. Like, yeah. I'll be honest. I, when you said you were expecting, uh, you know, like a big sort of show hall like the Highland, I didn't realize there was any more than horses at the Calgary Stampede. I generally didn't know that. I didn't know. Well, I, 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 I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't really know much more of it. But the cattle pen, it was well, you have a team of three horses and there's 30 cattle in, a, in the ring, like a big ring, and you've got them all numbered yeah. zero to nine. and they come running in the ring and the guy at the side shouts six and they've got to just pull six out. But they've got to keep them all at the bottom of the pen. They can't let them up the pen. So they've got to shed these three calves out and chase them around and put them in a pen. And it was I was hypnotising watching it. I see, I don't like horses. If I had a horse that done that, I think I could have a horse. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a dog at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's was, class. It was amazing. Uh, it was really I'm good. St- I've seen the what you call it battle racing. That's the name, isn't it? Yeah, uh, um, uh, part of the rodeo. They do the battle racing, and the steer wrestling, and the roping, and all that. And some of these people must be quite brave or stupid. One of those two, but like they've even like I don't know what they call. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like junior steel wrestling, and literally like a team of three kids came out, ranged from like four to ten, in a Shetland pony. And the three of them had to like wrestle it enough so one of them could get back on, on the back of it and try and ride it was it was bucking them and I was like, it must be hard if they're at four and six doing that. I think you might be more correct with your latter the stupid, but to your fair <laughs> effort. It's um we we had mentioned it in the office and one of my colleagues Colin had said about it, and I was like, Oh, I've never heard of that. I put it on YouTube and I was like, What? I can't believe what I was watching. Madness. Um Oh, I might have to add that to the list then, in fairness. That sounds pretty good. And I'm a bit like you. Not a massive horse fan, in fairness. Like, I mean, I've, I think I've ridden about five times and slid off the side probably eight. But uh, it's um, the whole... Mum and Dad watched that show Heartland. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, And it's about a vet in Canada. I watch bloody well nothing. But when I go back to theirs, there's a vet in Canada that um basically meets this... This girl has got a ranch and it just looks like heaven, man. I could, I could I could buy one of them right now and just move like um 
but yeah, no, quite an interesting country in, in general. Um, quite quite a place. Um, yeah, dear. I, I actually kind of forget sometimes. I bring folk on. I quite enjoy bringing folk on that, that I already know a wee bit, and it's quite quite interesting hearing a bit more about about what they've done. Um, but oh yeah, I knew there was one more thing I wanted to ask. What what did you go see mainly in Yorkshire? Was that farm trips as well? Yeah, it was Agri one you said. It was um, it was Agri trip. It was we went to Yorkshire show for two days and we went to visit uh, farms in Yorkshire. We went to Pemberton's uh, farm yeah. shop um, in the Lytham St Anne's yeah. round about that area. Um, I went to all sorts of different farms. I went to Shed Border. I went to a feed mill. I went to all sorts of different things. And that's well, maybe I'm not that fussy about going to the other side of the planet, like. Lots and lots of good places to go and see in this country, in England and Northern Ireland and and Wales. But you don't have to go far to go and see inspirational stuff or go stuff, go and see stuff that um, will maybe help you at home or make you think about things differently. Um, I think maybe a lot of folk don't take for granted what's on their doorstep. Yeah. To that to, to to that extent, like you can you can see. I've always been we holidayed when we were young. We never really, we went to Northern Ireland to see family. We went to the north of Scotland, we went to the Lake District. We never really got on a plane. I wasn't on a plane until I was in high school. I had to go to a wedding in America, a family wedding. But that um, a lot of folk don't, don't uh, go out and see what's in front of their nose quite a lot of the times, I think. And there's a lot of good things out there to see in this country. Oh, yeah, I agree. And also, it's probably going to be the case that you're maybe going to be implementing stuff straight away. It's going to be possible because you're in the same climate, you're in the same place. And... Um, I think when we took students to Northern Ireland last year, they were a bit like, oh, Northern Ireland, can't we do Spain or Holland or something like that? And then just money-wise meant we didn't. We went to Northern Ireland and I had a bloody brilliant time. I was like, this is class. Um, really good, seeing some fantastic places and they felt the same, which was which was good because you're right, you're right. It, it's You can travel the world and you can see everything. Uh, but if, no, you can't. You can travel the world and see a lot elsewhere. But there's a hell of a lot, a lot of good stuff going on here that, that we shouldn't be shouldn't be overlooking. But um no, dear David, it's always quite good to crack to have a bit of crack with someone and chat for however long, especially when you do kind of know their story, but then sort of hear a wee bit more. And I say it quite often in fairness, but um yeah, young farmers has been a fair chunk of that life, uh, <laughs> which we've got into. Yeah. Um what how do you see what how do you see your evenings when you don't have young farmers? Uh, I'll have to take up an hour hobby <laughs> maybe I should uh, I've been very lucky that my mum and dad have given me a lot of freedom to do a lot of stuff at Young Farmers and um, there'll be a few times I've left dad in the sheep box or working with cattle or to go to a solution practice to go and do something he's never really complained about it it's just as what it is so maybe um, I'm needing to repeat the papers at home or something and let them maybe go and get more time off or something <laughs> 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 yeah no definitely no here i can imagine that and it's pretty i'm sure it'll work out as well for, for your old man as well just in the case of learning what you have as well so no good here it's been a pleasure really has uh quite enjoyed the chat and uh there's before we sort of finish every episode there's two questions i asked everyone and i absolutely hate one of the questions i hate when people ask me it but i'll ask it anyway the first one is um this is the one I dislike. Where do you see yourself in five years? And secondly, if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Uh, in five years, hopefully alive. It's always helpful, yeah. Always helpful. Uh, I've actually been asked this question before. I was put forward to 
an award at Young Farmers and they had to put at the bottom of it, um, where do you see yourself in the future? And this may be quite cheesy, but this is, this is what I wrote in a bit of paper. I wrote, I'll be growing more grass, farming more cows, eating more meat, saving the planet. <laughs> I like so that. I think I'll stick with that. That's a good one. It's a good one. What age are you? Are you 27? Yeah, I'm 27, yes. 27, yes. Yeah. Thanks, so. um, right. I got to check, haven't you? Um, and tips for folk coming into farming? I'm not sure if it's just farming, but um, I have a hard work ethic, having, a, having an ability to learn. Don't worry about qualifications or you've not got the experience, you've not done this, you've not went and worked for this person. If you're willing to work hard and learn, you'll succeed at anything, not just in farming. But that's, uh, that's what uh, I've always been brought up to think that way and just have work hard and learn. No, no. Shout out you were doing something wrong if uh, you're willing to learn and you're showing interest and enthusiasm for it. And if they do, well, you should probably shouldn't be working with that person. Um, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes every day. I still make mistakes every day, and I probably still make I'll make mistakes for the next thirty years every day. So I don't don't worry too much about the mistakes and just keep battling on. I think the mistake thing's so true. Like, I mean, I think quite a lot of my students say, "Oh, but you're a lecturer." I'm like, that means nothing. <laughs> make mistakes every bloody day, like everyone does, and it would be bloody boring if we didn't. In fairness, but no, yeah, good. I really like your five years on. In fairness, what was it? Grow more grass. Farm more cows. cows. Farm more cows. Eat, eat more, more meat. Save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the title for this episode. That's good. Um, I like that. But no, as I said, David, it's been a good, a good bit of crack. Hope you've enjoyed it yourself as well. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's been good. Thank you very much, Ross. Good stuff. No, you're very welcome. And for those of you listening, that was number 146 of the R2 cast. Uh, as I said, next episode will be with Hilary Reid. So moving on from beef, sheep and dairy cattle, on to how to hit a cue ball in a professional manner. You really do get everything from this podcast. It's quite good fun. Um, and as I said, and I've started to say a fair bit now, that All In series is starting to gain a bit of traction. Um, the podcast is consistently in the top five natural sciences in the UK, and it is pretty much always second. I've never been first. Shout out Radio Labs, who are about 10 times the size of me. But um, yeah, we're big in the States, Portugal, Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, UK, and where's the other one It's really big? can't remember Canada uh, so yeah it's all going quite well thank you as always for listening and we shall see you for episode number 147 I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today Howden Rural the new name for Aplan Rural if you follow Howden Rural on social media you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.